This is a 300 level course. We will be going deeper. This does assume you have some degree of technical knowledge about AWS in general, and some knowledge of CloudTrail is helpful. Let's take a minute to understand where everyone in the crowd is at as far as your knowledge of CloudTrail. How many folks here have actually used AWS CloudTrail before for any purposes? Okay, about half the room. Now, how many people have actually looked at a CloudTrail event directly themselves? Okay, good. So we have a good mix of experience in the room today. Um, while we will be going deeper, I'm gonna start off because there are some people who may not be familiar. We're gonna spend a few slides just talking about what CloudTrail is, how it's positioned in the management tools uh, suite of products, and we'll talk a little bit about fundamental uh, ideas of CloudTrail. It should take about 10 minutes. Then we'll get into deeper concepts. Now, we, I will uh, skip a couple of our typical high-level discussions today because we do have a, a lot of content to cover. So um, we will skip the discussions of what operational health are, what, operational, uh, what security is, and what compliance are. I'm gonna make the assumptions that you know why these things are important to your company. So uh, one thing I forgot to mention, we do have two new features to discuss today. We also have two demos. Um, and in the course of this session, we will talk about how you can simplify your compliance story, how you can improve your operational troubleshooting activities, and how you can improve your security posture. So we'll start off by taking a look at uh, CloudTrail features specifically. Then we'll get into how to secure your event logs, how to set them up, best practices and recommendations for that. We'll also take a look at two use cases, contrived examples of how you can explore CloudTrail events to derive insights into your account. And then we'll talk about some more advanced topics like uh, monitoring and automated response workflows. Now we are having a bit of an issue with a session timer here, so you may see some variation in how fast we go through this. Please pardon us as we work through the, the process here. So let's talk about the product suite that, in which CloudTrail is home. And this is the AWS Management Tools product suite. So AWS gives you a set of management tools which enable you to programmatically automate, provision, and monitor every component of your environments. And when you use these tools, you can maintain control in your accounts without sacrificing development velocity. Now these tools are integrated with each other. And they're also integrated with every aspect of the AWS platform. There are four categories of tools, and let's touch briefly on each one of these. If you're not familiar with each of these, I would highly suggest you get to know them, because whenever you have something you need to do in your accounts which requires management, these are the first places you should start. Uh, we have CloudFormation, which allows you to author a simple text template describing the resources in your accounts. You can use the template to provision resources in a safe way with a transactional field. We have Service Catalog, which allows you to safely deploy applications to your uh, accounts. And this could be anything from images to full application architectures. There's also OpsWorks, which is a configuration service. And this uh, takes care of hosting and scaling chef and puppet servers on your behalf. For monitoring, we have CloudWatch. CloudWatch enables you to monitor your uh, systems, and it does this by providing metrics which you can monitor and also allowing you to define alerts for notifications when there are problems. You can also use it to respond in real time to events. 
And then in operations and compliance management, we have CloudTrail, which is what we'll discuss today more. This allows you to capture information from across your accounts and gain insights. We also have Config, which enables you to look at configuration of the resources in your accounts and maintain awareness and inventory. And finally, we have Systems Manager. Systems Manager enables you to view and monitor your resources, and it also gives you the ability to automate some common tasks, like patch management and state management. So that's a brief introduction to a very broad number of services, and we won't go further today on this. Please do make sure you're aware of all these. All these tools together, if you use them together, can give you control of every aspect of your AWS accounts. So now let's dive into CloudTrail specifically. CloudTrail is a service which enables compliance, governance, operational auditing, and risk auditing in your accounts. And it does this by helping you track activity across teams, users, services, accounts, and even across your entire organization. Now, I had a conversation earlier this week with a gentleman in our booth, and he indicated that we need to be a little bit crisper about defining activity. So for our purposes today in our discussion, we'll define activity in the account as public API activity in AWS. That's public AWS API activity. So I'm going to use the word activity a lot. That's what I mean. CloudTrail is integrated with the vast majority of services in AWS. It collects information from these services every time a public API is called, and it brings these into a central location where you can view and control the, uh, the information it contains. It's easy to set up, it's very easy to configure, and we give you a set of tools that you can use to interact with the event logs. The other thing is, since this is managed by AWS, you don't have to worry about coverage. As AWS continues to evolve and new services are added with new features, AWS adds support in CloudTrail for each of these new things. Now, if you're familiar with CloudTrail, you may have noticed that I mentioned organizations. So I have some good news to share with you on that topic, and we'll get to that shortly. So last in this segment, let's talk about a couple of use cases that CloudTrail can enable for you. And the first is simplifying your compliance workflows. Because CloudTrail pulls all this information into one single location, it makes it much easier for you to prove that you are compliant if you are subject to regulatory uh, reg uh, regulations like HIPAA or PCI. You can very quickly demonstrate everything that's happened in your account, and it doesn't take much work to consolidate this information. It's also useful because all of the information presented by CloudTrail is at a single level of granularity. You can also enhance your security analysis. One of the hardest parts of a security analysis sometimes is just establishing what real usage patterns look like. How are, custom, how are your users really using their accounts? With CloudTrail, it's very easy to just jump in and you can slice and dice the information however you want. You can aggregate it by region. You can look at specific users. It becomes very easy to establish whether or not the usage patterns in your account have any security risks associated with them. You can also monitor data exfiltration risks. CloudTrail enables you to carefully monitor at the object level what is happening with objects in S3 buckets. So if you have particular areas where you're concerned about data exfiltration, you can monitor these closely, and you can also react automatically to close data exfiltration risks. And finally, performing operational troubleshooting is just much easier with CloudTrail. You can dive into specific sequences of events, and when you don't really know what the root cause of a problem is, CloudTrail is a great place to start to help you quickly get to a hypothesis. And this will help reduce your mean time to resolution. So these are a few examples of the use cases CloudTrail can help you with just to get your mind started. So that's it for just understanding 
the, the layout of the environment, the product suites that are available in CloudTrail and what it is. Let's take four slides and we'll talk about the basic features of CloudTrail and understand some terminology that we'll be using through our, our discussion today. Let's talk about CloudTrail events. So events are the fundamental unit of useful information that CloudTrail provides to you. An event corresponds to a single invocation of a public AWS API, and it contains not only the name of the event, but a lot of the context information about the uh, invocation of the API. This includes the caller, the source of the call, the request and response information, and all this enables you to determine who made the call, at what time the call was made, and uh, to debug into why, uh, various aspects of the information passed to and received from the call. CloudTrail gathers information from over 130 AWS services at present, and our, that list continues to grow. It, CloudTrail also automatically collects this activity. There's nothing you really have to do other than just setting up the initial configuration. And once all this information is pulled from these individual services, it's brought into a central location so you can access it and use this as a single source of truth. So that's what an event is. Now there are different types of events. There's two main types of events that we categorize two different ways. And this is very important for our discussion today. So keep in mind the differentiation between management events and data These are the two types of events we support. Management events correspond to activities using AWS APIs which control resources in your account. You can think of things like creating an EC2 instance or deleting an RDS instance. Um, these are usually relatively infrequent compared to data events. Data events are finer grain actions, things like interacting with individual objects or say executing a specific Lambda function, much higher volume. This is something like reading from a specific object in an S3 bucket. Now, because these have different uh, typical volumes associated with them, we'll treat them differently when we think about how to design our CloudTrail setup. Also, each event, either management events or data events, can be categorized as either a read event or a write event. And this is also important for data volume purposes. A read event doesn't materially alter anything in any way, something like a describe instances uh, when you're interacting with EC2, whereas a write event obviously is something like an updating an RDS instance. So read events are much more frequent than write events typically, and data events are much more common than management, or much more frequent than management events typically. So let's talk about how these events come to you. We deliver events we capture to S3 buckets of your choice. You can, see, you can specify any S3 bucket you want, and you can use this to bring information from multiple accounts into a single location. You can also opt in to delivering events to CloudWatch logs, and this is important because there's a number of CloudWatch features which we'll explore today, which are enabled by doing so. Now, a note about our collection uh, or our delivery speed. Typically at present, you'll see that from the time an API is evoked to the time when a CloudTrail event is delivered is usually about, is less than five minutes. Our, our 99th percentile or our effective worst case is about 15 minutes. Now, that has changed recently for some services. We've increased the speed that this, uh, these events get delivered in for these services. And you'll see them delivered in under 30 seconds. Uh, with a 99th percentile of five minutes. Now this is important for folks who are building notifications on top of CloudTrail because that affects how rapidly you can become aware of information that is sourced on CloudTrail. I can tell you also that the number of services that have received this upgraded integration has increased recently. 
So we understand now what events are, we understand the mechanics of how they're delivered to you for consumption. Now, how do you control it? And that's where we, come, we talk about the concept of a trail. A trail is a configuration object which you create using either the CLI, the API, or the console. It's a very easy process to create these. It's quite user-friendly, and it enables you to define a specific set of events that you want captured and delivered to a specific location. And you can also have more than one trail. This is important for thinking about different use cases. We'll talk more in detail about why having multiple data sets can be very advantageous for you. Okay, so that's kind of our foundational discussion. We understand now what events are. We understand that they're pulled from multiple services. We understand that they're delivered to you in S3 buckets and optionally to CloudWatch logs groups. We understand that you can configure a trail to control what CloudTrail does. Now let's talk about some best practices about how to set these uh, trails up to enable yourself to maximize CloudTrail potential. Before we get into this, it's important to think about your design. One of the problems with CloudTrail is that if you, if you make certain decisions and then later in the future regret them, there's no way to go back in time and change your configuration and capture information you missed. So it's important to think upfront, how are you going to use CloudTrail? Who is going to consume your data? What are they gonna do with it? Because it will significantly affect what you, how you set up your, um, your trails. Do you have multiple teams? Can they see the same information? Is it okay for, the, for everyone to see all of the CloudTrail information emitted by every account? Usually the answer to that is no. You need to think about how you're gonna partition that, and I'll show you how to do that. You also need to think about what types of information you need, and this is where event volume starts becoming important. If you have a compliance scenario where you want to just store everything and archive it, that can generate quite a bit of data. But if you want to use that same data set to drive an actual uh, application workflow, the volume of data may choke it. So you can, when you think about the volume of data you're using, you can architect your system for the smallest data set possible. This makes you more resilient to scale as you continue to grow. You also need to think about where you want your events delivered. Are you okay with a centralized source of truth across your entire company? Or do you want to partition things by different divisions due to security concerns? This is the time to think about this. And finally, think about what regions you want to be in. I'm going to make the argument for you that um, CloudTrail is actually a security backplane, and you should think about it from a security perspective, not a uh, pure compliance perspective. In this case, it's important to think about putting it in all the different regions that you have available. So if all of this sounds good and you say, that's, that's wonderful, but where do I start? We do have a set of recommendations for you. And this is, this is accumulated from talking to customers again and again, seeing what works for some companies, what doesn't. This may not be the perfect recommendation for you, but it's a good place to start your thinking. And the first thing we recommend is you create a trail in each account which captures all management events, including read and write events. And this is your compliance backplane. This is your record of everything that's happened in your account. You can use it for multiple things. You can even use it when you're doing operational debugging. Then we recommend you create an additional trail for use cases which have specific requirements. One thing that comes up a lot is people like to create a secondary trail that captures only write events for management events because that makes it very easy when they're doing operational troubleshooting to go through and just look through them individually and not have to filter out a bunch of noisy read events that they may not care about in that scenario. You also may have two different teams that have different needs that are changing. You can have two different trails, one for each team, and then you can give them each control over the data that's being logged and they can control it independently. 
So these are some examples of use cases where you might want to have multiple trails. Also, we recommend that you do use a centralized delivery location for events. As I mentioned, you can partition this, but we find that most customers get the most benefit about, uh, from having a single location where they have a single source of truth for uh, CloudTrail events. Next, you need to think about your bucket policy. Who gets access to what? If you're delivering all of your events into a single bucket, um, we, uh, we break it out into a folder structure that allows you to give different people access to different subsets. That folder structure is broken down by account ID, and it's also broken down by trail, if you configure a prefix in the trail. So you can literally control who gets access to the output of which trail in which account, and it's up to you to decide how you want to partition it. But we do recommend that you set it up explicitly and that you don't just give everyone access to everything. Next, it's a good idea to actively monitor data exfiltration and uh, critical function usage for S3 buckets and Lambda functions, which uh, are critical for your business. We do not recommend that you just enable it for everything by default. You should look at your S3 buckets and say, which ones of my buckets have things that are critical to my business, mission critical information, or at high risk of data exfiltration? Same thing with your Lambda functions. Which things are so dangerous to execute that I really can't have this floating around unmonitored? And then you can turn on data events for these so you can track activity, and that will also set you up to, to build automated remediation workflows or even notifications on top of this. So with all that, you now have a pretty good setup. If you follow these steps, you'll have a really good understanding of what's going on in your system. I'd recommend that you then let it run for a couple of days or a week, and then spend some time getting to know your activity patterns. And this is probably one of the most overlooked things we see when people are dealing with CloudTrail, is that people never stop and take the time to get into it and figure out what's actually happening in their accounts. And you can learn a lot. You're almost guaranteed to see, to you're almost guaranteed to learn some follow-up questions that you'll need to act on. Okay. Also, now that we've talked about how to set up your, your event logging system, let's talk about some mistakes that we see people making again and again. And these are less, it's less important about the specific mistakes. It's more important to think about the thinking. Um, let's take a look at a couple of examples. One thing we hear a lot is people just turn on CloudTrail in the areas where they have stacks deployed. They say, hey, I'm logging in all the important regions. Then a malicious user logs in, or, uh, launches an internal attack from an unused region and they have absolutely no visibility into what happened. So again, start to think about CloudTrail as not only just a compliance tool, but something that you can use for security and for forensics, for going in and determining what happened retrospectively and even for setting up monitoring and remediation, in which case, you need to think about all the possible places attack vectors could come from, and that's why we recommend you set it up in all regions. Another thing we hear a lot is people saying, hey, I don't need all the events. CloudTrail produces tons of data. That's too much for me, I don't need that. And so they capture just write events. But there are things you can learn from write or read events. For example, you can determine whether or not somebody's probing your resources, looking for weaknesses. You can learn if employees are exercising due diligence when they make a change and cause an operational outage. So you need to think again about the broader picture about what you can do with CloudTrail before you try to do early optimization on the data set size. So just some tips to think about. Make sure that you think through some of your planning assumptions before you implement them because again, CloudTrail, once you've started logging, if you later go back and wish that you could see those events, they're not necessarily available.
So next, let's talk about securing your events. It's important to secure your event logs because they provide you a layer of protection from malicious users. Event logs are not just the ability to detect what happened if you're challenged from a compliance perspective. You wanna be able to go in and catch people who are doing things on purpose or even to determine if something was accidental and understand where it came from. I'll show you a situation where this is very easy, but you need to make sure that people can't go in and wipe your event logs clean. This is a very common attack pattern. Somebody goes in, they want to internally damage an account. The first thing they want to do is make sure no one can track what they've done. So they'll go in and they'll try to wipe out the CloudTrail event logs. So what we will do is we will talk about four steps that you can take that will make it very difficult for anyone to do, uh, interfere with CloudTrail's ability to log events in your, uh, in your accounts. So the first recommendation we have is to turn on log file validation. This is a feature available in CloudTrail which causes CloudTrail to create a hash of every log file it delivers to you. It collects these hashes and puts them in a file and periodically delivers this to you into your delivery destinations in a different folder. CloudTrail digitally signs this digest file so that you can tell if it's been tampered with. With these things in place, you have a very strong chain of ownership that will allow you to tell whether or not anyone has materially modified the event logs in any way. And this includes deleting any of it. You can tell completeness and whether it's in its original form. Now, if you find this is the case, you don't need to have built a remediation strategy. You can contact AWS support and indicate that you have had your uh, CloudTrail event logs compromised and we can regenerate them for you. So you don't need to worry about not only building a remediation strategy here, but what your security posture would look like to keep that segregated. Next, we recommend you use your own KMS key. Um, this adds another barrier to um, malicious users in that in order to access your event logs, they would need to have decrypt permissions on that key. Also, we recommend that you enable uh, access logging for S3 buckets where uh, CloudTrail event logs are delivered. And this makes it hard for anyone to even try to access the event logs without being tracked. This will allow you to see if people even try and they don't have access, they get an access denied. This is an additional level of protection against probing. And finally, turn on multi-factor authentication for S3 buckets where AWS CloudTrail data is stored. This, yet again, makes it harder for an attacker to attack your event logs without revealing their identity. Now, if you follow these steps, you will have a strong defense against people interfering with your event logs, and this will start to form a good security backplane that you can use for establishing accountability in your accounts. Now, because we're thinking about CloudTrail from a security perspective, we need to change our way of thinking and remember that every security system is only as strong as its weakest link. And one thing we see problems with a lot is people secure their event logs, but then they don't think carefully about how they're deploying CloudTrail. So you need to think about your strategy from a security perspective. Do you want to take a manual process? This is easy. It's the fastest ramp up, but it's also prone to human error. You can use an automated process, a little bit more investment up front, but less prone to human error. Once you figure out your approach, you need to make sure that all the appropriate policies are set up for CloudTrail, the S3 buckets, and the CloudWatch logs groups to make things are buttoned down. We recommend you do this in a way that's repeatable and maintainable. Now on that topic, it is my pleasure to introduce a new component of CloudTrail, which is organizational trails. 
Historically, whenever you defined a trail, it only applied to the account in which it was defined. You had the option to decide whether or not it applied in a specific region or all regions. We now give you the ability to create a trail in one account and apply it across all the accounts in an AWS organization. This is accomplished by defining the trail in the organization master account. And it's the same experience you have in defining trails, so it's very intuitive. When you define a trail in an organization master account and indicate it's an organizational trail, CloudTrail will copy the trail definition to all the accounts in the organization automatically. CloudTrail takes care of all the heavy lifting of configuring roles, making sure everything's set up, and keeping everything in sync across accounts. So you have a single point of control in the uh, master account. Now there are a couple of benefits to this, and the first of which is as a result of the way this is implemented, you cannot make changes to the copies of a trail that are present in a member account, from the member account. The only place you can make changes to an organizational trail is from the organization master account. This reduces the surface area both for errors and malicious attacks because another thing some malicious users like to do is actually just turn off CloudTrail, do their thing, and then turn it back on. That becomes much harder now. Another benefit here is that CloudTrail listens for changes to the organization. So if you add accounts to your organization, CloudTrail will intercept and immediately configure an organizational trail in new member accounts for every organizational trail that's defined in the organization master account. And I've been shopping this around with some customers. They indicated to me this is somewhat of a game changer, so I really want to drive home how easy this is. This is the AWS CloudTrail the, the Cloud console. Um, we won't go into details about what's happening here, but you can see different types of information you'd specify when creating a trail, like the trail name, the different types of uh, events you might want. But if you look at the red arrow, that's really all you have to do to specify that something's an organization trail. Just opt in, say yes, and CloudTrail does the rest. It's all automatic. One thing I forgot to mention is organization trails always share the same delivery destination. So you get that same centralized source of truth for all the delivered events across the accounts by default. And do remember that in order to do this, you need to actually create the trail in the organization master account. So next, let's talk about maintaining awareness of costs. CloudTrail can incur charges. It does not always. We have a non-charge tier and we have a charge tier. If you are not incurring charges, you may want to protect yourself to make sure that nobody accidentally starts incurring charges. If you are incurring charges, you want to make sure that there's not a sudden spike in charges that you're not aware of. For this, we recommend that you use AWS budgets. Using AWS budgets is very easy to set up a budget for CloudTrail on, that on each billing cycle will set a certain maximum amount that's expected. If the amount that's in charge by CloudTrail ever either exceeds that or is forecast to exceed that, you'll receive a notification. If you set your threshold correctly, you can get into a situation where if there is a problem or a change, there can be almost negligible financial impact. You can still be aware of it and proactively take care of it. So this allows you to cha uh, identify changes in trends. It can be a result of someone, say you're not incurring charges, someone doing something that does start incurring charges. It can also capture changes that are a result in changes in configurations from unrelated services. We'll talk in a little bit about how changing other services can change your event volume and by uh, consequence can change the uh, volume of data you see and the charges you see if you are paying for CloudTrail. 
And again, just to give you some idea of how easy this is, this is the AWS Budgets console. And you can see at the first arrow that you can just simply enter, you can enter the budgeted amount you have. Simple, you just define whatever you want. You can also at the third arrow see your historical time series information about the costs incurred. So you can use that to calibrate what you think would be a good hypothesis for a starting point. Also at the second arrow, notice you can just easily select which service you want to use as part of your uh, budget. You can use Cloud, in this case I've selected CloudTrail only, but you can select multiple services. And this is good not only for CloudTrail, but this is broadly useful for a number of services. So please do check this out. There's a lot of protection you can build for yourself. I've heard several cases where customers come to us and if they had this set up, it would save them a great deal of pain. So please look at this very carefully. So we are about halfway through. Let's take a quick break and just uh, rehash what we've talked about. We looked at management tools all up. We looked at all the different services briefly that are in that space. We looked at CloudTrail, what it is. We looked at some foundational information about CloudTrail and uh, the kinds of things it can do. We set up a secure foundation for tracking and exploring activity. And we also explored how to maintain awareness of costs. And I will just, again, because I talk to customers frequently and because they come to me a lot when there's a problem, I cannot overemphasize how important it is to make sure you maintain awareness of costs across your services. So now that we understand a little bit about cloud for me, or cloud trail and some of the uh, ways to configure it, let's talk about how we can actually use it. In order to do this, we're gonna take two slides and we're gonna just look briefly at what an event looks like for you folks who haven't seen this. CloudTrail events are JSON documents. So they're very human readable and they're exposed in a standardized format. All the information is exposed as attributes and they contain information like the source identity, the, the uh, calling party that called the API and the information about the request and the responses that was sent to and received from the API. You can use a lot of this information for debugging and you can also use it to establish accountability. Let's dive into two areas here where we have more complex objects. The source identity contains a lot of additional information. You can tell not only the principle and the ARN of the, uh, of the identity that was invoking the call, but you can tell other things like whether or not that particular identity was MFA authenticated at the time of the call. You can also determine if this was executed as an assumed role. And if so, you can correlate back to other events and determine which user actually assumed the role before making the call. And this is a good thing to think about also when you start thinking about establishing what the usage patterns are in your account. You can use CloudTrail to determine how people are using assumed roles, which is typically a security risk. Also, the request and the response information there, you can just see some examples. When you get into debugging operational issues, this is useful. Um, especially when you're doing things where you need to identify specific instances. One of the things I use this for a lot is uh, pulling out the instance ID of EC2 instances when I'm doing things with EC2 instances that I need to debug. So again, I'm providing this to you not so much so that you would parse all this information, more to whet your appetite. Understand that there's a wealth of information in the CloudTrail events and do explore this on your own time and take a look at the information that's available. I can almost guarantee you, if you look in detail, it will change how you use CloudTrail because you'll realize there are use cases based on the information that's in these events. So now let's talk about the tools that we can use to access CloudTrail events. Out of the box, CloudTrail provides you a set of search and browse tools which you can use to access the last 90 days of management events. 
Um, let's take a quick aside and discuss that point. When you turn on CloudTrail, or I'm sorry, excuse me, when you create an account, we turn on CloudTrail for you automatically. And we keep a private copy of the last 90 days of management events by default. This does not cost you anything. And you can use these tools to access that data. If you want more than this 90 days, you need to set up a trail to deliver to an S3 bucket. But if you're looking just in this particular slice of time at management events, this applies only to management events, you can use the event history in the uh, AWS console. This will allow you to browse through your events and it will also allow you to apply a single filter. That filter can help you find specific events or look for uh, specific uh, sequences of events. And it can also be used to specify a specific time range. Some of the examples of the types of options we have for filters include filtering by event name or filtering by the resource that was affected by a particular API call. We also have the lookup events command in the CLI, which has similar functionality, and also the lookup events action in the API. These are good tools to get started if you're just poking around or you have a real quick action you need to perform that's uh, uh, need to take the action against management events. So if you want something more complicated, or uh, excuse me, if you want something more powerful per, for performing more complex queries, we've integrated CloudTrail with Amazon Athena. Now, Amazon Athena is an interactive query service that allows you to query against data sets using standard SQL. Now, through this integration, it's very easy for you to select a CloudTrail event log and import it into Athena as a snapshot. Athena will populate one of their tables with this, and you can perform ad hoc queries of your choice against this data set in the, uh, in the Athena table. And we've simplified this for you to the point where it's literally just a few clicks of the console. For folks who are familiar with uh, Amazon Athena, um, using this integration, you do not need to define a schema. We take care of that for you, so it's literally just a few clicks. With this integration, you can perform much more complex queries. You can perform multi-attribute searches. You can even do advanced things like building time series views of your event log data. Um, and this is where we expect people to go when you're doing more detailed security analysis, like looking at behavioral patterns all up across your accounts and doing formal analysis. Now, if you're looking for something that's a little bit in between, maybe not, maybe a broader scope uh, than the out-of-box tools and maybe not so not, not, not as complicated as something as a full SQL implementation or something that operates against live data. The CloudWatch team announced a new feature a couple of days ago, which is very useful for exploring CloudTrail events. And this is CloudWatch Logs Insights. It's very useful for lightweight queries. It provides you with a simplified query language that's reminiscent of a stripped down version of SQL with some concepts from command line utilities uh, um, integrated. It's very easy. I'm a product manager. I'm not a technical person. I learned this query language in 20 minutes flat with almost no help, so I'm sure there won't be any problems for anyone. Um, with this, you can do simple or complex searches. You can execute them in seconds. You can author queries, and you can elaborate on them, which allows you to do iterative queries and allow you to slice through your CloudTrail event logs uh, iteratively. And this also supports a set of data aggregation commands so you can summarize information across your account. So we've looked now at how to access CloudTrail event data. Our next step then would be to say, well, how can we take this information and do real work that's really useful to our businesses? 
So I have a set of demos, or two demos specifically, um, that I will show you about how to actually use CloudTrail event data. And we're gonna use them first to understand usage patterns in the account to support uh, security analysis, and then we'll look at a contrived example of how to explore an operational troubleshooting situation. Before we dive into the demos, let's talk about this general space. If I'm looking at a new account, with CloudTrail, I can perform a variety of analysis very, very quickly. I can baseline my IAM user activity. I can find out quickly who my top users are. I can find out what they're doing. I can find out which users are using which services. I can find out what my top services are. I can find out specific sequences of behavior that are happening for users of interest. I can also profile my use of assumed roles. These are just a few examples. There's also the ability to look at console uh, sign-in patterns and even understand the source IP address uh, distribution for access to your account. The list goes on and on and on. One thing that's very interesting is that you can actually use this to very quickly investigate a suspicious user activity pattern. Maybe, hopefully, you'll never be in a situation where you have to deal with an internal bad actor. But if you do, or if you have someone whose account's been compromised, and you need to just quickly check, what has this person been doing? You can check in seconds with, cloud, with uh, CloudTrail. And we'll actually take a look at this scenario right now. Please give me one moment while I switch accounts here. Okay. So in this demo, we're gonna use CloudWatch Logs Insights. I'll give you a quick introduction to this interface. I'm personally madly in love with this interface, but that's just my opinion. Um, at the very top there, you can see, actually let me highlight this for you. You can see that you can select the CloudWatch Logs group that you are pulling information from. That's important if you're using multiple trails that deliver to different logs. You can select time ranges quickly that you want to look for. And here you can specify this custom query language, which is very simplified. We won't talk about this language specifically right now, but for your information, you can see I'm using a command called stats, and that basically does the same thing as a SQL group by uh, statement. You can see also that I'm grouping by AWS region. So below this, you see that uh, Cloud CloudWatch uh, emits a time series chart for you by default, and below that, you can see the query results. So what I've done here is I've just simply, in a very short query, I've said, show me the count of activity uh, aggregated by AWS region, so I can see in what regions I have activity. Now, in this contrived example, I'm working for a company where I expect activity to be focused in a few regions, specifically in Europe and also in the United States, and I see that that is indeed the case. I have activity in EU Central 1 and activity in US East 1. But I also see that there's quite a bit of activity in other regions as well. And I want to understand what that is. We'll come back to that. So next, let's say I want to just drill into a specific um, region. It's as easy as just adding a filter and changing my aggregation to event source. Now I'm looking at this by service. Okay, so now I can see all my services listed in that region, and I can see their call volume per service. I can see that S3 is my top service immediately. To see the kinds of insights with almost no effort I'm just accumulating here. S3 is my top, EC2 is also one of my top, and I go down and continue to look and I see, okay, these all make sense. In this contrived example, I notice that number 14 is Redshift. And let's just say that we have a company policy that we're not using Redshift. I'm immediately concerned that someone's using Redshift. 
using the same strategy, I can drill down and look at who's using Redshift, what the call flows are, I can find the users that are using it, and I can connect with them and understand what's going on. So let's say I want to take this a level further, and I'm going to dive in, and I want to understand the users who are using, um, using my account. So again, I just add another filter criteria. I change my aggregation function to be by event name and user identity, and I can immediately see the APIs that are being called and the users who are calling them, along with the information about how frequently this is happening. It may seem a little bit intimidating at first to look at these queries, but if you spend 10 minutes with this, you'll be able to pivot through this stuff very quickly. And you can see right away that I have an IT support user who's one of my top active people. You can also see that it stands out very clearly that I have a finance user who is executing EC2 activity, and that concerns me. And I forgot to mention that I've also pivoted this by EC2 usage specifically. So at line number eight there, I have a finance user who's using APIs on EC2. That concerns me. Now I have a follow-up. I need to talk to this user and understand why they're actually using this, because I don't believe anybody in the finance team should be creating or using EC2 instances directly. So here we're building a very basic understanding of how we can start at the top and just peel the onion, look back and explore our accounts and gain insight upon insight. You can go as deep as you want with this. We're building an exploration graph. As an example of going a different route, if we go back to our original query here, let's say that we want to figure out what's actually going on in these regions where we believe there should be no activity. I can alter my query again to just look at that specific region, and I see that there is a single user who is performing something related to EC2. It looks like he's created an EC2 instance and he's manipulating it. And you'll notice here that you can't see the information about who created it, and that's because I turned on logging after this user created this uh, instance. This is the problem you'll kind of you'll run into if you don't th set up your, uh, your trails proactively before usage starts to occur. You'll see something like this and you'll say, Okay, I know there is a problem, but I don't necessarily have all the information, so think about that. Um, in this case, I see it's a product manager who is creating things that using EC2 in a region that's not supposed to. That sounds like a process issue to me, so I can connect with this user and I can say, what are you doing in this region? Why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. So that's a really rudimentary example of how you can start to explore information in your account. You'll notice how easy it is to look at things across services, and that's because of CloudTrail's design where everything is reported for each event as a single schema that's consistent across all services. The only service-specific variations you get are the request and response information in individual events, and that's useful for debugging. Now let's pivot this a different way completely. Let's look at it from the other end of the spectrum where we're saying, I have an operational problem. I'm gonna use a contrived example again. How can we go through diagnosing this problem? So let's think about diagnosing operational problems all up. If you've done a good job of establishing an operational baseline in your accounts, and you're familiar with the activity patterns, using CloudTrail, it's very easy to identify trends or changes which are unusual. You can understand differences in, uh, in event volume. You can understand differences in error code patterns coming back from API invocations. You can also drill into areas of interest where things look unusual and, and go to a really fine-grained or fine degree of detail understanding exactly what's causing changes in the uh, call volume patterns. So the best way to explore this is to take a look at an example. 
So let's take a look at a situation that I've contrived. In this case, I'm going to pretend that I am a, I'm a company, or I'm an operation manager at a company, and I've just received a notification that there's been an operational outage. Someone suspects that a particular EC2 instance um, has, been, has failed in some way. And when people went in to understand what was wrong, they noticed that it seemed to be running. So now I have this report that there was a transient failure. I'm concerned there may be an intermittent outage. I may be looking at a large scale event of some kind. I need to understand what happened fast. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go into CloudTrail and I'm just gonna look at everything that's happened in my account in that period of time. Now if you have sharp eyes, you may notice that I'm looking at a different uh, log group here. And this goes back to the statements uh, we discussed about why it makes sense to set up different trails for different reasons. You'll notice that I'm just listing all of the information that happened in this account, and it's fairly digestible, and that's because this is coming from a different trail. It's coming from a trail that's set up to capture only right management events. Therefore, in a fairly small period of time, I'm likely to have a digestible piece of information that I can just scan. So let's do that. Let's look through here and we can see a variety of different types of activity. We can see S3 bucket activity. We can see some activity interacting with EC2 instances and right away we see something of interest. We see right here that there's a call to stop instances. Now, CloudWatch Logs Insights does, uh, does the work of actually parsing the log data and showing it to you in a view you can explore here. In fact, the column on the right there, you can see all the fields that they've discovered and you'll recognize those from the event schema. So as we look through this particular event, we can see that it is in fact, looking at the request parameters, the same instance ID we heard about. So now we know that this is not a critical problem. We know that this outage is caused by someone going in and explicitly stopping an instance. So we, know, we can downgrade our level of, of concern. And when we look at the information about who actually executed it, we see that this was, again, a product manager. So I'm, again, wondering why product managers are roaming around in my accounts creating EC2 instances and stopping them. So my next question is, show me everything that this user's been doing. I can make a very simple query, which simply spans the last week and aggregates, or doesn't aggregate, selects all the information for this particular user. Stepping through, I can see everything they've been up to in one simple view, it's that easy. And I can see as I step through that there's some activity related to managing EC2 instances, and then I see that they've created some instances and immediately stopped the instances afterwards. So when I look into this, I can see that the instances they created, looking at the instance ID, this is a different instance. So thinking about this, putting on my thinking cap, I say, I have a, someone who logged in, created an EC2 instance, and then stopped a different instance. And this sounds like human error. Sounds like somebody made a mistake. So I want to see what else they've done. I look, they've done some other things with S3, and then look, they logged back in later, and they started an instance out of the blue. So I go in here and I look at this start instance call, and I see that looking at the instance ID, this is in fact the instance in question. So I could go through, this is two queries, I could go through this in three minutes. I went from zero knowledge, worried about a LSC, to looking at this and realizing I have a human error. And not only that, I have somebody who made a mistake, realized his mistake, logged back in, and fixed it, and didn't tell the operations crew. So I now go to this user, 
and we have a wonderful conversation. We have a conversation about what's appropriate to do in accounts, and we also have a conversation about processes. But I accomplished all of this in two minutes. So again, these are contrived examples. They're not meant to reflect real-world situations. They're more just to kind of give you an idea of the kinds of things that you can do with CloudTrail, the kinds of insights that you can glean when you explore CloudTrail events. Okay, so we talked about how to explore CloudTrail events. We also talked about using them for diagnosing operational failures. So let's get into some more advanced use cases now. It's one thing to diagnose the origin of an operational problem. It's another thing to be notified immediately. We want to be notified in every case where there's an operational problem as soon as possible in order to minimize the surface area for damage to customers or business interests. CloudTrail is, because it is a very broad coverage area, covering so many different services, it is a great source of information to drive monitoring activities. And we provide out of the box two different ways that you can perform monitoring using integration with CloudWatch and integration with AWS Config. And you can choose what it makes sense for you. Using uh, CloudWatch and assuming that you have put your, configured your trails to deliver events to CloudWatch logs, you can set up CloudWatch metrics on these logs and then create CloudWatch alarms on the metrics. What this will allow you to do is de uh, detect any unusual changes in event volume changes in error code characteristics, changes in particular users' API usage, basically any way you can filter CloudTrail event information through a CloudTrail setup or a configuration, you can set up alarms specific to these things. And when an alarm is tripped, it sends you a notification. Now, if you are more interested in receiving, if you're more interested in looking at things from a configuration perspective, we also support integration with AWS Config. And this, uh, using this, um, if you've turned this on in AWS Config, anytime a resource is changed, Config will listen for the CloudTrail inf information about this and automatically inspect resources which have changed and notify you if it's important. Now, because we're talking about monitoring, I do want to make mention of both Guard Duty and Macy. We're not going to talk about these at length because of time constraints, but CloudTrail goes very broad across AWS services, but these services focus more on the security aspect of things, and they bring a great deal of domain knowledge into detecting threat vectors, and they bring a lot of progressive knowledge as new threat vectors emerge. So if you're concerned about these areas, I would suggest you take a look at these services to see if they're right for your company. Now, we talked about receiving notifications whenever there is a problem. The, the next best thing would be to actually fix them. And you can do this with CloudTrail using integration with CloudWatch events. Every event that comes through CloudTrail is also sent to CloudWatch events. And as a result, you can set up custom remediation Lambda functions which process the CloudTrail events. You can build your own remediation solutions based on uh, criteria of your choice. And really what you do in those functions is up to you. The sky's the limit. If you can do it from Lambda, you can do it as a remediation function. So when these events come in, you can filter them. You can determine if there's specific changes in call volume that are a problem. You can determine if an action is not compliant with policy. And you can use AWS APIs even to automatically fix the problem. So let's look at a couple of use cases here. Let's look at a hypothetical data, uh, uh, data exfiltration scenario that we're going to automatically remediate. In this situation, I have a company that set up a Lambda function to watch my S3 buckets. It's going to watch for changes in the access control lists, or ACLs, 
And if they're not conformant to, to policy, they're going to automatically revert them. So I have a bad actor, an internal disgruntled user, who says they want to change the access policy on a particular S3 object and let the whole world know just to disclose some data for who knows what reason. So when they go to do this, this sends a notification through CloudTrail in the form of an event that gets delivered to CloudWatch events. And this, in turn, invokes the custom remediation function in the company. The function detects that this is a non-compliant action and immediately calls an S3 function to revert the change. And we've seen remediation actions like this execute in seconds. So it greatly reduces the time frame in which data exfiltration risks occur if you've set something like this up. You could do this for S3 buckets. You can also do this for Lambda functions. So let's take a look at an example of a Lambda function that we're protecting. In this case, let's look at a different situation. I have a developer who's become very excited about some changes he made. And he goes to deploy his function and test it and accidentally logs into a production environment. Um, when he goes to play with this Lambda function, it sends a CloudTrail event, which again goes through CloudTrail, cloud excuse me, goes through CloudWatch events and executes a custom remediation function. This function is guarding Lambda functions and making sure that Lambda functions in this category only get executed by service principles. Having understood that this is now an invalid permission change to this Lambda function, the custom remediation function built by this company is able to immediately change the permissions on the Lambda function back to limit the amount of damage that can be caused by using this function in an uncontrolled way. It could also do something like send an email to a central compliance authority or even send an email to the developer saying, hey, what are you doing? You're in the production environment and this is not allowed. And this is a good example of how you can also build protections into your accounts to help protect you against human error, which is becoming a more and more important idea. So we've covered a variety of topics today. We've talked about how to look at CloudTrail events. We've talked about how to get, at the, um, get directly at the data, use it for a variety of use cases. I would like to highlight that there are some third-party products that are doing some pretty amazing things with CloudTrail, which give you additional value. Everything you've seen that we've done here can be done via any tool which understands CloudTrail, not necessarily our first-party tools. So just due to time constraints, we won't go into the details of any of the, uh, the partners that are building applications that use CloudTrail, but I would recommend that you take a look at some of these partners and understand their offerings. We've seen a variety of interesting things, from custom solutions to complex queries to uh, aggregated views of operationally important data. We saw one in, in one case they were combining VPC flow logs with CloudTrail data, which is very interesting. We've also seen cases where people have built applications that automate a lot of the security analysis work that you might need to do in your account. And this just makes your life easier. So please do check out our partners. Our last major topic to cover today will be CloudTrail's pricing model. And this is extremely important. CloudTrail can be a charged feature. And our pricing model is to charge based on the number of events that are delivered, as well as the number of times they're delivered. And the second part is where it needs some scrutiny. You can think of each trail as a delivery action. So if you have three trails, you would consider that every event that comes in would be delivered three times. That's not strictly true because it depends on the filters, but you can think of it that way. So for management events, we charge $2 for every 100,000 deliveries. The caveat with management events is that the first delivery is not charged. So you can set up a trail in an account that has no trails. It captures all management events and you will not be charged. 
many of our customers are in the bucket where that's how they approach this. If you set up a second or a third or a fourth trail, those additional trails will uh, be charged at $2 per 100,000 events for management events. Data events are charged at 10 cents per 100,000 events. And we had to get creative in how we did this because of the difference of event volume between management events and data events. So we actually built a whole new architecture that we can run at a lower cost for data events. So they're charged lower, but there is no free tier for data events. So please do keep this in mind. Make sure you're aware of this. Make sure your organization is aware of this so there's no accidental incurred charges for people setting up trails in situations which would incur charges. Now, we just have a few minutes left, so let's go ahead and start to wind down. I personally have collected some suggestions based on the conversations I've had with customers, and I want to share three things with you. First, as we talked about, be aware of when people are creating secondary trails in your account. If you ever have more than one trail, just be aware of the pricing model. Make sure everyone that's involved with it is under, understands the cost implications. There are many good reasons to do this. Just make sure that you're doing it on purpose. The second is, when you change configurations of some services which are completely unrelated to CloudTrail, you can cause changes in CloudTrail event volume. And a good example of this would be, say, you're using a service that um, has an encryption option. You go and you turn on encryption. If that's integrated with KMS, that can cause a significant increase in the amount of uh, events that KMS events emits to CloudTrail. This can increase the size of your data set and also increase your costs. So, both of these first two points, a really good way to defend against this is, again, use AWS budgets to make sure you maintain very tight awareness of your costs. You don't have to watch them all the time. You'll have the notifications there to tell you quickly if there is a problem. And finally, beware, beware, beware of Lambda infinite loops if you're writing customer mediation workflows. If you write a Lambda function that responds to a particular CloudTrail event by calling an API which causes the same event to be emitted, you're going to create an infinite loop, and that will spin out of control at an unbelievable speed. And you can incur unwanted charges there. So be aware of that. That's something that's very easy to mitigate. It's really a question of just development discipline and awareness. It's actually quite easy. People just need to know about it. All right, let's quickly rehash what we covered today. We took a survey of the CloudTrail features. We set up a secure foundation and a secure backplane for maintaining awareness in your account. We talked about managing costs. We also learned how to explore events with the different tools available, and we performed some sample security analysis and operational troubleshooting. We talked about how to implement active monitoring, and we also covered automating response workflows. And finally, we discussed third-party tools, and actually one thing we didn't include here was our pricing model. So please do remember to fill out the session survey in your mobile app. This is very important to us for making sure that we um, deliver focused content for you guys and subsequent public engagements. Other than that, um, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Please enjoy the rest of reInvent, and please enjoy the party tonight. <laughs>